Section 25 of the Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission by Candido Rondon. Translated by R. G. Reedy and Edwin Murray. Third Lecture, Part 12. Having therefore decided to proceed with the exploration and the regular survey of the river Telles Pires, in February last, Lieutenant Antonio Pyrenees de Sousa left from Tapirapoan at the head of an expeditionary column composed of six men, a physician, Dr. Alberto Moore, and a naturalist, Mr. Antenor Pires. Taking the direction of the telegraph station of Afonso's, from the branch of the Barro dos Bugres, the expedition ascended to the Chapadao dos Paresis, passed by the place called Arroz Semsal, to which I alluded in my first lecture in 1911, and from there reached the Ribierao do Estivado, the direct affluent from the left bank of the Arenos, which is cut by the telegraph line from Cuyaba to the Madeira. From Estivado, he continued by the divisor of the waters of the Arenos and of the Cuyaba, joining his march to that of Lieutenant Julio Caetano, and having reached the headwaters of the river Novo, passed from there across a chapadao of black soil covered by a cerrado to the headwaters of the river Verde at a distance of two kilometers from the above, and already belonging to the hydrographical basin of the river Telespires. From there commenced the studies which were the object of Lieutenant Pyrenees's expedition. The river Telles Pires, for which the topographical survey registered a total extension of 1,386 kilometers from the last headwaters of the principal one of its feeders up to the point of the confluence with the Huruena, is the result of the union of two branches. The more important and the more northerly one rises in the Serra do Azul, under the name of Parataninga, which it keeps during its course of 124 kilometers, at the end of which it arrives with a width of 34 meters, its greatest depth being 5.5 meters, and its volume 72 cubic meters discharged every second. There it meets, or rather receives, the other branch, to which I propose it should conserve its old name of Sao Manuel, taken from the trunk to which will be applied the name of the unfortunate Captain Tellus Pires. As a matter of fact, the Sao Manuel is nothing more or less than an affluent from the left bank of the Paranatinga. Its course measures scarcely 74 kilometers in extension. Its width at the mouth is 25 meters, its greatest depth 3.5 meters, and the discharge 42 cubic meters. The river Verde, at whose headwaters Lieutenant Pyrenees arrived after leaving those of the Novo, is a tributary from the left bank of the Telus Pires. From there the members of the expedition left for the confluence of the São Manuel with the Parentinga, which they ascended in pirogas, canoes, made out of the bark of the Hatoba, obtained in the Indian villages of the Bacahiris, established at the port used by von den Stein and by Colonel Paulo Castro in order to cross the above-mentioned river towards the Hingu. 
Thus assisted by the Indians, Lieutenant Pyrenaeus could get as far as the last headwaters of the Parantinga, at a place where the dwellers of the wilds of this river do not go, out of fear of meeting the Cayapos, who they suppose live there, and of whom they are afraid. Descending afterwards from these headwaters to the mouth, Lieutenant Pyrenaeus noted all the special features of the river Telus Pires, and proceeded with the necessary work for the future drawing of the topographical chart, the description of its fauna, forests, and soil. The number of affluents registered and measured in the whole length of its course reaches twenty-five, of which many are still without names. Of these, the most important are, from the right bank, the river Cayopo, with a volume of sixty-two cubic meters and a width of thirty meters, the Celeste, 751 kilometers from the headwaters of the Paranatinga, with a width of 33 meters and an average discharge of 33 cubic meters. The Paixoto de Acevedo, whose name was given by Lieutenant Pyrenaeus in homage to the memory of the first explorer of the former São Manuel, with a width of 42 meters and a discharge of 17 cubic meters. It is a river of dark and motionless waters, the Cristalino, named for the first time, with a width of 55 metres and a discharge of 154 cubic metres. It is 1,019 kilometres from the headwaters of the Paranatinga. The Sao Benedicto, with a width of 102 metres and a volume of 103 cubic metres. The Kururu, with a width of 75 metres at the mouth and a volume of 89. On the left bank, the River Verde, 656 kilometers from the headwaters of the Paranantinga, with 90 meters at the mouth and 202 cubic meters discharge. It is the largest of the feeders of the Telus Pires. With regard to the waterfalls, Lieutenant Pyrenaeus noted and described 45, of which 13 exist in the River Paranatinga. And with regard to absolute falls, they are not more than three in number. The first, called Magasi, is at 339 kilometers from the principal headwaters and is formed by three successive falls, giving a total change of level of 13.5 meters. Below this, on the left bank, there is a grotto which was visited by Lieutenant Pyrenaeus, who then found there the inscription with the name Tellus and a date of 1889 carved in a stone. Above the fall, the width of the river is 102 meters, and its depth almost reaches six and a half. After it, however, these measures are increased respectively to 150 and to 17 meters, this height having been found in one of the two wells, which are formed there. At this place, Lieutenant Pyrenaeus fished a paraiba, which measured one meter and ninety centimeters in length. Eleven kilometers after passing the Sete Cadas, Lieutenant Pyrenaeus's expedition met the third and last fall of the river which he was exploring. This is the old Salto Tavares, having twelve successive terraces which reach out to an extension of four kilometers forming the sole serious obstacle against navigation. It does not, however, render it impossible. This is the fall where, on the 3rd of May, 1890, the shipwreck and death of the unfortunate Captain Antonio Lorenzo Tellas Pires occurred, 
and whose expedition lost at this place all the resources which it possessed, and which rendered it impossible for the then Lieutenant Oscar de Miranda, adjutant and devoted companion to that chief, to proceed on the journey and to come out on the Tapajos. We all still remember quite well the sad catastrophe and the martyrdom undergone at the time by the survivors, thrown on the banks of the river, deprived of any means of action, for lack of implements, which had been lost, and exhausted by fever and by the horrors of hunger. We all remember further that it was only due to the diligent solicitude of another officer of our army, a friend and companion of the above-named, the present General Jimeno Villaroy, that we are indebted for having been spared the extra sorrow of which we were threatened, and of which he saved us by sending out from Manaos, where he had assumed the government of the state as the delegate of the provisional government of the republic recently proclaimed in our country, a rescue expedition, which after ascending the Tapajos and the old Sao Manuel, succeeded in arriving in time to snatch from death the few still surviving members of the unfortunate expedition. At 769 kilometers below this, the river Telespires forms another fall, known under the name of Setequedas, since the days of the voyage of exploration of the lieutenant of the militia, Pexoto de Acevedo. The canoes are able to cross this fall easily, for it does not offer any difficulty to navigation. If the appeal which I have addressed to you, Mr. President of the Geographical Society, and to your worthy co-associates, in the sense that you should accept as your own and recommend to the geographers of our country the idea of rendering homage to the memory of the much-regretted Captain Tellus Pires, should meet with your approval, this fall will henceforward be honored in being designated by the illustrious name of Oscar de Miranda. Leaving out other information of geographical value, collected by the expedition under Lieutenant Pyrenees, because for this the time at my disposal would not be sufficient, I shall make a rapid allusion to the indigenous tribes found on the river Telespires. In the first place I shall cite the Cayabis, although this primacy does not pertain to them after the chronological order in which they were met. It was only after passing the mouth of the river Verde, and before the falls of the Setequedas on the waterfalls called Coata, that the first village of these Indians was observed, but from this point downwards five more were noted. Lieutenant Pyrenees informs me that the Cayabis are strong Indians, fairly tall, good canoe-men, and great planters of corn, monkey-nuts, manioc, potatoes, and other useful plants such as cotton. Neither the men nor the women use any sort of clothing, they weave cotton to make their hammocks in which they sleep and the sashes some narrow and short for their hips which they use after the nambikara fashion they pierce their ears and use very interesting earrings they allow their hair to grow and have the habit of tying it up at the back of the head the women pull out the hair on their bodies they used to offer the produce of their plantations in exchange for axes apinaco machetes, opinum, clothes, and principally for hats. They are much afraid of firearms, but are perhaps still more fearsome of being poisoned, 
It is certainly in order to avoid this danger that they rejected all the food which was offered to them by the expedition, always on the pretense that they were suffering from their teeth, notwithstanding that they possessed these in a magnificent condition. At first, says Lieutenant Pyrenaeus, quote, the Cayabes afforded me a good reception, but when the provision of axes and of machetes was exhausted, they began to attack me at the falls and at other places difficult to cross. It was, however, sufficient to cause our guns to be fired for them to run off and leave us in peace. After the waterfalls, they attempted a night attack against our bivouac, probably armed with clubs. I avoided it, however, by transporting myself at night with all my personnel and baggage to the other side of the river. I had four assaults which I prudently avoided in order not to cause them any harm, and I endeavored to make them understand that I was going to return bringing them apinacos, axes, and apinim, machetes. On the night when I moved my camp, passing from one side to the other without being seen, I avoided a struggle which one of their chiefs wished to provoke, entering into the water with his bow and arrows, and threatening with loud shouts. While he was given up to this mad bravado, from the interior of the woods on both sides the war cries became greater, coming from many men whom we did not see. On arriving at the opposite bank we tied up our canoes and remained in them awaiting events. In the morning we perceived that the Indians were penetrating into the abandoned camp, and were beating all around it screaming, which served them more for the purpose of animating them rather than of frightening the adversary. They were certainly very much upset when they found out the trick which had been played upon them. End quote. Such are the episodes which occurred among the Indians called Cayabis or Cahabis in Lieutenant Pyrenees's expedition. Before, however, this officer had been in the villages of the Bacairis, of whom he gives us the following information. Quote, Below the bars of the Sao Manuel and of the Cayapo, I met the Bacahiri Indians, who live there in three Malocas, one belonging to the old Captain Antonino, who served as a guide to the German expedition to reach the headwaters of the Hingu, the other belonged to Captain Karutu, who two years ago had come from that river accompanied by a great number of Indians, who had almost all died from influenza and fetico, on arrival at Telus Pires. And finally, the third, belonging to Capitao Jose Coroado, the son of the celebrated Indian woman Rosa, who died in January 1813 in this same village. The Bacahiris, adds Lieutenant Pyrenees, are half civilized and suffer a good deal from the bad treatment of the rubber tappers who explore their work in tapping rubber trees, in breeding cattle, and on their plantations. They constantly make voyages to the Hingu in order to visit the villages of their tribe which exist there. On the Telus Pires, their number is small, and the tendency is to their complete disappearance in consequence of the slavery to which they are reduced by the rubber tappers and other dwellers on the river who explore and vitiate them. End quote. Of all these facts, all of them equally interesting, there is one which requires special mention, 
That is the one which refers to the Indian woman, Rosa Barroro. To the pen of a lady, the wife of General Melo Rego, we owe the fact of not having lost the remembrance of the great work rendered by that poor woman to her nation of origin, and also to the great part of the population of the former province of Mato Grosso, including that of the surroundings of Cuyaba. For many years the Barroro tribe of the river São Lorenzo lived in open warfare against the civilized people, whom they hostilized in terrible attacks in the interior of their houses and establishments, killing many, disorganizing the traffic on the rivers and on the roads, and the work on numerous and important breeding estates where they played the greatest havoc. For such evil, the president of the province found no remedy except the organizing of a war of reprisal, having in view the extermination of the Indians. The direction of the formidable beats, which were then commenced, was entrusted to Lieutenant Duarte, a brave and decided man, but incapable of liberating himself of the illusionary fascination which springs up from the idea that the value of physical force is absolute, to smooth over the disorders which arise amongst groups of human beings as the result of a different civilization, prejudices of race, letting loose of one's passions, in fact, that arise from the state of mind which conducted antiquity to place the foreigner and the enemy under the same heading. One can easily imagine, therefore, to what point of cruelty arrived in a very short time the hostilities between the Bororos and the contingent commanded by Lieutenant Duarte. War was thus raging, and from day to day it took larger proportions and recommenced, when suddenly among the Indians who were taken prisoners to Cuyaba and who lived there in masked slavery, a young girl offered herself first and afterwards asked insistently to be permitted to accompany Lieutenant Duarte's expedition in one of his beats against the villages of her people. She promised to cause the war to cease, to save the rest of the persecuted nation, and restore calm and quiet to the population of Cuyaba and to all the region ravaged by the raids of the warriors of the river San Lorenzo. Received at first without attention, and afterwards with mistrust, the Bororo girl found a means, nevertheless, to persevere with such enthusiasm and fervor in this proposal, that she finally succeeded in overcoming the general lack of interest, and more still, the pride of those who considered themselves so immensely superior to her, that it was difficult for them to admit the possibility of having to alter and to abandon their plans and their combinations, in order to adopt those of a miserable Indian slave. On one of his customary expeditions, Lieutenant Duarte took with him the Bororo girl. On arriving at a certain spot on the river San Lorenzo, stripping herself of her city clothes, she interned herself into the forest, and at the end of the number of days previously combined with the commander of the detachment, she returned to the place where the latter was awaiting her, bringing with her the Page Maguera, or the chief of the tribe of the Bororos, who came, convinced by her to make peace and to become friendly with the civilized people, represented in the person of the same man who up to then had persecuted them with untold of atrocities. 
after this memorable act the pacific relations of that nation with the civilized people were never broken and the services which they have rendered in the swampy lands of the paraguay are most valuable amongst others i will recall to you that which i myself received when i was entrusted with the construction of the telegraph lines of the south of mato grosso during a whole year the work effected by these indians was carried out by over five hundred of them who were incessantly at my orders the bororo girl to whom we owe this beautiful page of the history of our country who was the essence of the sweetness and kindness which is exhaled from those who tell the story without equal of the admirable marina so was this rosa whose son lieutenant pyrenaeus met on the river telus pires who assisted him personally and with his people to take him to the highest headwaters of the paranantinga on information received from lieutenant pyrenaeus rosa bororo died in january of this year in a bakahiri settlement of which her son was the chief her memory therefore still lives in the hearts of those who knew of her short and touching history and certainly the same will live whilst there is a brazilian heart to vibrate with love and gratitude on recalling to mind the figure of whomever it may be large or small who may have given occasion by words deeds or sentiments to inscribe in the pages of the history of the country one more trace which may contribute to the realization of the wish of the maranao poet where he says i see a nation of heroes mr president of the geographical society i had promised you as well as your illustrious associates the data which appeared to me necessary to enable you to judge by its real value the nature and the extent of the services which you have attributed to me in the realization of the work carried to a successful end by the telegraph lines commission from mato grosso to the amazon i now consider fulfilled and completed the promise which i made although i have yet to refer to work of considerable technical importance carried out by my distinguished assistants and which concur decisively to give to that work the touch of scientific exactness with which it is shown thus for example i have not described the astronomical service mounted in cuyaba by captain renato barbosa rodriguez pereira in direct correspondence with the rio de janeiro observatory for the rigorous determination of the geographical coordinates of the principal points of the territory of mato grosso i would have in regard to this matter to refer to the means and the results already obtained on the eastern line with the friendly and competent assistance of dr henrique morice and dr domingos costa director and assistant of our national observatory but in spite of such great failings the exposition which i here offer you and whose benevolent and honored acceptance i declare myself eternally grateful to the ladies and distinguished gentlemen of this audience as well as to you mr president of the geographical society it is sufficient to demonstrate to evidence that it is not to me but to the brazilians represented by the governments of the four successive administrations of the republic by the officers and soldiers of our valorous army and by the humble diligent efforts of the dwellers of the wilds which constitute the foundation of our nationality to them should be directed the homage of your thanks 
of your admiration for the gigantic work carried out in the wilds of our country. To me nothing else is due except the satisfaction of being proud of being the son of such a country, and of seeing my name associated with that of other sons who have devotedly served and loved the same. But if persisting in the friendly violence of your good will, you insist, in wishing to transform in personal merit my pride of having cooperated for the raising up of our nationality, I am forced to open up to you my heart and my soul, to show you the real motives of all my sentiments and of all my strength, the fountain whence spring the inspirations and the energy of my life, the heroine who gave herself up to all sorts of privations and to all the hardships of long and repeated absences, to all the worry in imagining by thought all these privations and terrible risks to which I have placed myself for more than twenty-five years in this life of an eternal exile in my own country. In fact, to show you, as you will have already understood, you all, quote, who have the intellect of love, end quote, that the efforts you attribute to me do not belong to me, but to my noble wife, at whose feet I deposit as they are due to her, all the applause and the flowers which you have accumulated around me in your unlimited generosity of men born in this beautiful country, our dear mother of infinite grace. End of section 25. End of The Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission by Candido Rondon. Translated by R. G. Reedy and Edwin Murray.